This is Greg Olson, inviting you to check out my new Blue Wire podcast, TE1, where I interview tight ends throughout the history of the NFL who have helped revolutionize the position. TE1 is presented by the Chevy Silverado. The Silverado is all about grit. It's strong and dependable, exactly like playing tight end. Just like the incredible players we sit down with on the podcast, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. Strong, advanced, and dependable. Download TE1 today, wherever you listen to podcasts. Blue Wire. With the first pick in the 2009 NFL Draft, the Detroit Lions select Matthew Stafford. Welcome to another episode of The Michael Rothstein Show. I am your host, as always, Michael Rothstein, and this episode is brought to you by Bet Online, by DoorDash, by Pepsi, and by Regions Field. Go check them all out and uh, feel free to give them some of your business. And don't forget to use some of those codes for the ads that have them because that can only help you save some money down the road in the future. So, not a huge day for the Lions today. Everything feels pretty status quo at this point for them as they're heading into Sunday's game against the New Orleans Saints. The biggest question is going to be whether Desmond Trufant is able to make it back as he is the player, frankly, on the injury list that at this point is maybe the most concerning for what he could do for the team in general. If Trufant's able to come back, he hasn't played since week one, this would be a very advantageous week for him to do so. Not only are the Lions facing an all-time great quarterback in Drew Brees, but Michael Thomas may be returning to the lineup. And Desmond Trufant, more than any other player on the Lions, has familiarity with the Saints because for years he played them when he was a member of the Falcons. So he understands Drew Brees. He understands Sean Payton. He even understands guys like Michael Thomas, guys like Alvin Kamara, a little bit better than probably some of the other players that they have on the roster. So that can only help him, and one would think he would slide right back into his starting role. The biggest question then would be what Detroit would do with either Amani Awarie or Jeff Okuda and which one of those guys might start, which one might end up coming off the bench. Would one be more comfortable moving into the slot because Justin Coleman's not eligible to come off of injured reserve yet? So all of those questions, I think, would remain to be seen. And who knows, maybe they would even move Desmond Trufant into the slot, but I I don't know if they would do that, if that would make a ton of sense. So that, to me, is the biggest question around the Lions heading into kind of the rest of this week of practice is does Desmond Trufant come back? And at this point, where do they use him? I can't imagine them not putting him back in the lineup. They're paying him basically $10 million a year to be a starter. He has way more experience than both Awari and Okuda combined. And he was playing okay to decently well before he got hurt early in week one. So obviously you're working with a very small sample size there, but You can definitely use him, I think, if you're the Lions this week against the Saints. Of course, it's entirely possible Detroit 
decides that they're in a decent spot with Awarie and Okuda that they give Trufant an extra week to rest, then they have the bye after that, and then you feel good about maybe where he is coming off of the bye going to Jacksonville, and you could see a few Lions maybe making that return at that point. So that's going to be something to watch the rest of the week is how the Lions handle Desmond Trufant, what happens with him, and go from there. And you stay in the secondary, and I think they've got a similar decision to make on J. Ron Curse, although... With Curse, it's a lot different because with Trufant, you can just not play him, and that's where it goes. With Curse, you have to decide whether you want him on the roster, and if you do, where you go to maybe make a move to make room for him. Now, to me right now, the obvious move to be made would be putting C.J. Moore, who Matt Patricia has been calling Calvin, by the way, on injured reserve, C.J. Moore's missed the last week, week and a half with injuries. It seems like he's been banged up a good chunk of the year. So maybe you put him on injured reserve to make room for J. Ron Curse. Moore is the only guy who didn't practice on Wednesday. So that, to me, might be how they get Curse on the roster. And then that gives you a week of seeing Curse. That gives you a little bit of time. And then you kind of see maybe where things go from there after the bye is you have time to evaluate Curse. Maybe you see where C.J. Moore might end up officially being. At that point, you see, well, does Mike Ford maybe come off injured reserve, although he's a corner and not a safety, but you're looking at special teams value when you're basically looking at that position at that point. And they've got a couple of other guys, too, that they have to make potential decisions on by then. Is Justin Coleman ready to come back after the bye. Obviously, the Lions could really use him and get him back, and he'll, he would slide right into that starting slot spot that has been filled in, honestly, fairly well by Daryl Roberts. So that's another place that the Lions have to make maybe a decision, again, in the secondary. So there could be a lot of shifting and moving pieces in the secondary in the next few weeks as Detroit maybe has some decisions to make. But we'll see how quickly guys like Justin Coleman and Mike Ford are ready to come off of injured reserve as well. So those are some things to watch, I think, for the Lions as we kind of move forward here throughout the week. And we'll be back right after this with our traditional five keys for the Lions to beat the Saints right here on the Michael Rothstein Show. You've counted on restaurants, now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery too. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food is on its way. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code Blue Wire, don't forget, code is Blue Wire, $5 off your first order with DoorDash. And thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. 
But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how much you watch. And if you watch the Detroit Lions on Sunday, you saw their first win in 11 months. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through any game day, and if you've watched the Lions over the last year, you've probably needed a lot of it, because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. And the wait is finally over, football is back, you might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season, from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Now, back to our show. Welcome back, and thanks as always for sticking with us here on the show. And we'll dig in now into what, in my opinion, the five keys are for the Lions to try and beat the Saints win their second game in a row and honestly somewhat shockingly considering where they were after week two would then go into the bye at two and two and if I think at the beginning of the season you told most people hey they're gonna go into the bye at two and two and that means that they're two of those wins would come against the Bears the Packers the Saints or the Cardinals I think most people would sign up for that knowing that the October and November schedule, which we've talked about on this show a little bit yesterday and we'll obviously get into a bunch next week, is much more manageable and, frankly, a situation that the Lions should be able to take advantage of and need to be able to take advantage of if they're going to have a successful season, even if they lose on Sunday and go to 1-3. and three. So how can the Lions beat the Saints? Well, let's start to dig in. The first key has really nothing to do with the Lions. It all has to do with Michael Thomas. Because if the Saints receiver ends up playing on Sunday, even if he's not 100%, you saw what Kenny Galladay could do at not 100% last week. Michael Thomas, as good as Kenny Galladay might be, Michael Thomas is at another level. Michael Thomas is the best receiver in the NFL, and he will be a handful for whoever ends up matching up against him, whether that is Desmond Trufant, whether that is Jeff Okuda, whether that is Amani Awarie, it would just be a really difficult matchup for any of those guys because from either an experience factor or just a talent level, Michael Thomas is probably better at his job than those guys are at theirs. And that's not a knock on any of those guys. That's just how good... Michael Thomas is at being a wide receiver. So how do you handle him? Maybe you shade him. Maybe you double him. Maybe the Lions make similar decisions to what they did against the Cardinals. I I don't know if they would play quite as much man versus zone uh, in that meaning, playing more zone. But maybe you say, okay, you give up that short cushion like the team did to DeAndre Hopkins and say, we'll give you the five or six yard route more often than not. 
uh, to keep you from making the 50-60 yard play. And I don't know whether that would be the strategy. That seemed to be part of the strategy in some ways. Even though Corey Undland said, listen, you never want to give up eight or nine yards on a play. I, I, it seemed like that was part of the strategy was take allow them to get the short stuff, give that up to keep from the long stuff. And if that sounds familiar, by the way, that was very much how I felt the Lions played when Jim Caldwell was the head coach and Terrell Awesome was the defensive coordinator when they didn't give up a lot of big plays, but sometimes they just kind of got dinked and dunked down the field. So maybe you do that if you're the Lions to limit Michael Thomas from completely wrecking your game. Otherwise, you're probably looking at maybe doubling him. I don't know who I would put on him if I'm the Lions, whether I would just want to stick with sides and wherever Thomas goes, he kind of goes. But that gets dangerous too because maybe that's something where Drew Brees and Michael Thomas can exploit that. But all of that, again, is if Michael Thomas plays. If Michael Thomas does not play on Sunday, and we'll talk more about that, by the way, in tomorrow's episode with ESPN Saints reporter Mike Triplett. But if Thomas does not play, I think it changes probably some of how the Lions approach defensively during the game, how they're going to handle the Saints. I think it ends up being a massive benefit for Detroit and could put them in a position where I think that it takes the one of really three real game breakers on offense off of the field for the Saints. And considering Detroit's defense has been shaky at times, downright bad at times, and had fits and starts of being competent or more than competent, I think that you can look at that and say, okay, Michael Thomas is going to be a really key, really key what he is able to do or isn't able to do. And that could really change the course of the game. Key number two is basically kind of keep Drew Brees doing what he's been doing the past few weeks. And listen, Drew Brees is a Hall of Famer. I don't think that there is any question about that. I think everybody agrees with that. He's fantastic. He's a guy that should be a first ballot guy. And if he's not a first ballot guy, then no person should ever be a first ballot guy at this point. But you look at what he's done this year. And he's yes, he's still completing 70.2% of his passes, which is still incredibly good. But right now it's the lowest completion percentage he has had since the 2016 season. He's thrown six touchdowns to one interception. Again, that's really good, but when you look at it, he's his t- touchdown percentage is only 5.8%. That's much lower than the last two years when he was at 6.5 and 7.1%. The interceptions, you know, are what they are. But the other number that to me really stands out is this, which is his yards per attempt. He's at 7.3 yards per attempt. Right now, that is the lowest yards per attempt over a season. And granted, you're only three games in, in a decade. The last time he was at that was he averaged 7.0 yards per attempt back in the 2010 season where he only completed 68.1% of his passes. And it's funny that you say only that because so many other quarterbacks, including Matthew Stafford, would take that every bit of the day. And not only that, but... His yards per completion, uh, 10.4 yards per completion, is the lowest since the 2002 season when he was at 10.3. And his yards per game, he's just not really getting there as much as he used to. He's at 253.3 yards per game. He hasn't had that low of a total 
since 2005 when he threw through 223.5 yards per game. So that's 15 years ago. So all the past 14 seasons, he's been at much a much higher yards per game than he has been this season. And really, 2000, he's declined in some ways the last few years as 2017, 18, and 19, he's been in the 266 to 271 yard range, which is a drop off from when he was consistently throwing for over 300 yards a game throughout most of the early to mid 2010s. Beyond that as well, you look at where he is, however, in his quarterback rating, that's pretty high. He's at 106.2 quarterback rating. Right now, that would stand to be the fifth highest of his career. And his QBR is in a similar range at 70. 5.9 right now would be the fourth highest of his career. And again, those are all things that we'll see how this goes and we'll see where all of it ends up factoring in. But it's going to be really interesting to see how Drew Brees plays. And I think the type of Drew Brees that the Lions see will be a good player. But is it the guy that played some way against Green Bay, who completed 81% of his passes in a loss and had 127.8 quarterback rating and threw three touchdowns? Or is it the guy that lost to the Raiders the week before, who only completed 68.4% of his passes, who threw a touchdown and threw an interception and, you know, really had his highest yards per attempt, but... I don't know. It's going to be, I think, pretty interesting what they do and and how he's handled. I I don't know what the strategy ends up being with Drew Brees. It seems like he's not getting the ball downfield quite as much. Now, some of that could be not having Michael Thomas. But if I'm the Lions, I'm trying to limit him and keep him again with short passes and really trying to pressure him as much as you can. Although, obviously, that's been a problem for the Lions for a while, as we all know that. Which brings me to key number three, and is part of the reason why I think pressuring the Drew Brees could be so difficult, which is Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara is having a great season. He is devastating out of the backfield as a pass catcher, and I don't know if the Lions have anybody that can handle him. That would probably be maybe a task for Tracy Walker, I don't know, Um, but Tracy Walker has not been great in coverage so far this year. I think he's been excellent against the run, and I think he's been really good in pressure, but some of his bigger issues have been in coverage, and I just, I I wonder how they would handle Alvin Kamara, because you look at what Kamara has already done this season, and he's got 27 catches over the first three games for 285 yards, and three touchdowns. That's more touchdowns than he had as a receiver last year. He's already at basically half of his yardage from a season ago as a receiver already through three games. And, you know, he's had 81 catches somehow every year. Right now he's got 27. So he's even on pace to potentially have more than those. So we'll see what they do with him and how they match up with him. It's interesting. He's actually had an equal number of targets as he's had rushing attempts. So that shows how diverse they really use Alvin Kamara and how devastating he can be 
potentially out of the backfield as a rusher and as a receiver because guess what? He's still also averaging 51 yards a game on the ground and at four-point yards per attempt. That is something that's going to be a big problem for Detroit on Sunday. And I'm not quite sure, considering what we've seen from the Lions' run defense, which has not been good in any game, and what we've seen from them as far as some of their pass defense and how they could theoretically cover or not cover him, I, I really just don't know what they do there, whether they're putting Jamie Collins on Kamara or whether they do try Walker or maybe they try Will Harris. Um, I, I don't know the answer to that question. Maybe you, you mix it up and you try to put a combination of guys on him to try and limit him as much as you can, but clearly New Orleans got him involved last week when Michael Thomas was out. He had 14 targets. He had 13 catches for 139 yards and two touchdowns um, against Green Bay in a loss. And then he hasn't had under eight targets yet in the game this season. So you have to figure that he's going to be a big part of the game plan. He always is. And it's just a matter of how they're going to use him and how the Lions are really going to try and neutralize him or... Maybe he's the one piece that they allow to go off. Kind of similar to maybe how the, the Lions handled DeAndre Hopkins and the Cardinals last week. But again, that could go into, well, does Michael Thomas play or not? I think so much of it comes back on the offensive side of the ball for the Saints and defensive side of the ball for the Lions to Michael Thomas. So key number four is trying to contain the Saints' pass rush. And... That's going to be something that I think is going to be potentially tricky. Obviously, the Lions are where they are when it comes to, and I realize that that's kind of a cliche, with with their offensive line. The way that Daryl Bevel talked on Tuesday, it really sounded like Tyrell Crosby will remain at right tackle and Vitae would remain at right guard because that's their way to maybe get their best five on the field, along with Jonah Jackson at left guard, and then the stalwarts, Frank Ragnow at center, and Taylor Decker at left tackle. So that's going to be your group that has to block Cam Jordan and company. And I, I do wonder how that's going to go, because they don't have a ton of experience facing Cam Jordan in the past, like they have with some of the other teams that they've played so far. Because if you think about it, the three teams that the Lions have played so far from an often, from a total perspective, they've seen every season. They've played Arizona almost as much as division opponents at this point. It seems like every year has had a either game in Arizona or a home game against the Cardinals on the schedule while most of these t- players have been on the team. And then obviously Green Bay and Chicago, they play twice a year. The Saints have seven sacks over the first three games. They've also been pretty active getting to the quarterback, particularly Trey Hendrickson, who has two of those sacks and four quarterback hits. Interestingly enough, Cam Jordan so far has gone sackless this season, and you think that there could be a real emphasis to try and get him going. He only has one quarterback hit over the first three games of the year. So that's going to be a tall task for any of the Lions' defensive, um, sorry, offensive tackles to make sure they continue to contain Cam Jordan because he is a complete potential game wrecker for you if you let him go in single coverage or if you just don't pay a ton of attention to him. Now, the Saints' defense does have other options and other weapons, like we mentioned, Trey Hendrickson, Demario Davis, the outside linebacker. He also has two sacks. He's got a couple of quarterback hits. 
Malcolm Jenkins, they've rushed in occasionally. He's got a couple of quarterback hits. And then even from the middle of their defense, David Oniminata also has a couple of quarterback hits. So it's going to be how they contain the pass rush. Can they do continue to do a pretty good job of keeping Matthew Stafford upright? And that's going to be something to watch. Because if they can do that, Matthew Stafford will have an opportunity to really maybe challenge the Saints secondary. And the Saints secondary is good. Obviously, Malcolm Jenkins is a guy who can really play. And Chauncey Gardner-Johnson has played quite well. They obviously have Marshawn Lattimore, who's one of the best young corners in the game. So it's going to be interesting to see how they handle that, how they do that, and what their strategy is offensively. Do they once again go with more of a run-based strategy like they did against the Cardinals, try and shorten the game, keep Drew Brees and maybe Michael Thomas off of the field? I don't know if I'm the Lions, I consider going back to that strategy again this week. It looked pretty effective against Arizona. And if they had just, because if you think about it, if they had just finished one more of those drives or two more of those drives and they had the ball in really good position on some of those drives against Arizona, that game ends up being not even close. And the Lions potentially could have run away with it. So I think there is the chance that the offense, especially if Kenny Galladay gets a little bit healthier, as he said he wasn't 100% last week, but one would think that he's you know, inching back closer to it and the week off next week can only help him get closer to that there, that it has capabilities of explosion, but if you're the Lions, I think you run a lot still with Adrian Peterson, maybe a mix DeAndre Swift and Carrion Johnson in a little bit more to take some of the workload off of Adrian Peterson. But when you really look at it, I mean, I think that that's something that if you're the Lions, you really consider, even though the Saints have been pretty good against the run. They're sixth in the NFL in rushing yards allowed. They've only allowed 300 total yards. They've allowed opponents to get 3.4 yards per carry. And they've been not as good against the pass. They've allowed eight touchdowns, two interceptions. And that hasn't been great at all. But of course, you look at some of the quarterbacks they've played, and two of the three quarterbacks they played were Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. So, and Aaron Rodgers particularly really did a nice job on them. So that's going to be an interesting strategy for how the Lions handle themselves offensively. But if I were Detroit, I would once again go to more of that run-based, limit possessions offense. It worked well last week. And while the Saints are much different than the Cardinals, the goal needs to be, I think, if you're the Lions, to keep Drew Brees and Michael Thomas off the field. And frankly, two weeks from now is when you can maybe take more chances and have better shots because then you're facing Jacksonville and that to me is a much different type of challenge and a much different situation. So the fifth key is, and this is cliche, but you have to build on last week. Matt Patricia, we've talked about it, I think in every episode this this week that in week threes in the NFL, he's been 3-0 and as a head coach. Not sure what that's about, uh, whether it's just a weird statistical anomaly, but That's what it's been. And then in week four, it has not always gone well for the Lions. Last year in week four, they played Kansas City. They maybe played one of their best games of the year against the Chiefs, but lost that game. And at that point, you almost took that that loss as a net win because of how good the Chiefs ended up being. Again, ended up winning the Super Bowl 
last year. So they were very effective then, but they just didn't come away with the win. And then you look at what they did in week four. They came off that big win against the Patriots in 2018. Then they went to Dallas and they lost a close game at the end when Ezekiel Elliott caught a big pass on them in the fourth quarter. So they haven't won yet in week four under Matt Patricia, but they've played good teams tight. So could this be a breakthrough situation? And sure, you're not comparing one season to another here, but they need to show that they can build on breaking that 11-game losing streak. Show that the defensive effort that you got is something you can take and continue to work with to get to another level and that offensively you need to finish your drives. Those to me would be the two big things when you look at what they did last week that they can really build on defensively and fix offensively in order to have a chance to beat New Orleans. I'll make my prediction tomorrow on the show and we'll see what happens. But I don't know, this is a tough matchup for me to gauge. If you ask me... If you asked me two weeks ago, I think I would have picked the Saints and probably picked them easily. If you asked me before the season, I would have picked the Saints and maybe picked them easily. Right now, I think it's maybe a little bit more of a toss-up than one would think uh, because, again, of the uncertainty of Michael Thomas, of the way Drew Brees has looked this year, which has not been the Drew Brees that we're really used to seeing. It looks like there has been a little bit of a dip, a little bit of a decline in his play. Not a ton, mind you, but maybe just enough that it eliminates some of really the danger that they have in facing him. So again, it should be, I think, a closer game than maybe people would have thought, but it'll be an interesting one to watch. And for the Lions, it can mean the world of difference between being right back in the playoff picture a quarter of the way through the season versus being in a really tough hole, putting a lot of pressure on yourself coming out of the bye here in the middle of October. want to thank all of you again for listening to the show. Really appreciate it. want to thank my sponsors for this week, DoorDash, Pepsi, BetOnline, and Regents Field. You can follow me on Twitter and on Instagram at Mike Rothstein, on Facebook at Michael Rothstein Journalist. Please feel free, give us a five-star review if you'd be so kind. Moreover, download and subscribe to this podcast. And we will get back to other interviews here in the next few weeks. I know I've been saying that for a while. We've had a couple of people have to bail out for varying reasons, including one person that I was really excited to possibly get on the show that had a really cool Lions connection. I'm hoping that he'll be able to come back on later in the season, but we'll see how that goes. So if there's people you want to hear from, just let me know and I'll try to make it happen. And with that, we will talk with you tomorrow.